Welcome to the July episode of OMP Rising, an original podcast series produced by the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. I'm Daniel Gieselman, an orthotic resident at Boston OMP. With me today, Chris Desjardins, clinical manager and residency director at Hanger Clinic in Virginia. As an active clinician, presenter, and volunteer, Chris consistently expands her professional palette and a keen sense of what residents need to succeed and has experience refining a residency program to meet those needs. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you join me today to discuss partnering for success, finding a mentor that is right for you. Mentorship is a vital part of a successful career, both on the side of being a mentor and a mentee. I know you've experienced both roles and benefited from both opportunities, and I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. So I know there's a lot of, or at least from what I've heard, a lot of different types of mentorships, both through NCOPE and also currently as me being a resident, I know of opportunities through that. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain just to know where to find opportunities like that. And then also how you've gone about it in the past with either finding a mentor or finding a mentee. Excellent. Well, thank you again for having me. We can kick it off with the Academy Mentoring Program, which is a great resource. Everyone can find it online on the Academy of OMP website. It's where you can sign up to be a mentor or a mentee and they will pair you up. And what's great about it is even though it's a formal pairing, you can have a lot of informal conversations and no pressure conversations with whoever you're paired with. And you meet about once a month, you're given some topics. And sometimes you go through all the topics. Sometimes you just have a great conversation. Other than that, a lot of other mentors come about from going through your residency. I still keep in touch with people I did my residency under in uh, 2006. And <laughs> um, so you have those formal routes for mentorship. But there's also a lot of organic ones, whether you kind of jive with a coworker. I had a technician take me under their wing to develop a lot of hand skills. And I still think, you know, what would he do? I even have mentors who are my peers in the same age. So you never know where you're going to have a mentor pop up and you just have to be open to it. Yeah, I really like kind of how you touched on forming those relationships organically as opposed to also having like a set mentor kind of going through that i have noticed especially through my residency getting opportunities like that where you mentioned with the technician and kind of honing in on technical skills like i don't know about you and what your background prior to the field was but i didn't have a whole lot of technical skills coming in so having the opportunity and being able to if I had a mentor in one of the technicians in the clinic I was at and getting to really work on my skills and work with him for an hour every two or three days and learn from him and kind of strengthen those skills definitely helped in the long run too. So like that opportunities that I wouldn't have initially thought of, but by meeting people and kind of just forming relationships like that and finding mentorship in different ways that I wouldn't have thought of is definitely a big thing. Absolutely. So how in the past, at least, have you gone about finding a mentor? I know you touched on with a couple of them, but have you specifically gone through when you were starting in the career with those presented opportunities or was it more so just kind of meeting up with your residency director and stuff like that? I was lucky to have some excellent 
residency mentors and residency directors through my program. So it kind of fell into my lab. David Rotter was my residency director. And I still think if I'm trying to think of something out of the box, what would Dave do? So it's pretty cool. I follow him on Instagram still and see all the cool stuff that he will do out in Illinois. To this day, I still think about pediatrics with Bill Gallagher and David Spears out in Chicago and kind of how I learned to work with kids that way and get on their level and not be so formal and work slow. And I was fortunate enough to also have a lot of evening chats with Dan Hasso and Bill Gallagher as well. Again, from my residency program, they invited me over to their house to meet their families and have dinner, you know, so you got to learn not just the clinical and technical aspects, but how do you develop a work-life balance? How do you maintain your compassion throughout this field and not get burned out and overwhelmed? So I think once you realize that you're having some of those relationships develop, you just need to kind of lean into it a little bit and not be afraid of putting yourself out there. And that's intimidating, especially right now. We're all still, you know, on Zoom calls and everything. But being able to reach out to people through Zoom calls or people that you connect with at work all the time, they don't have to be in that formal position for you to see them as a mentor. But I think it's important that you also give back to them. You know, whether it's challenging them to be a better clinician because they have to explain things to you, you know, or just make sure it's a give and take relationship. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's the last point you touched on too. And I do think it's funny because obviously as a resident, I have a lot of questions because there's a lot of mm -hmm. stuff I don't know yet. But coming out of school, there is a lot of times too where people that I am following and seasoned clinicians where I'll ask kind of questions, but also bring up a random thing that I learned in school that they think is cool and may want to institute because it's something that they didn't learn. So that's one thing I do really like about this field and that I've kind of noticed about a lot of people that are in the field is the willingness to learn and continue to learn as well. Not so much also as to just teach because everyone does want to teach and we are mentoring, but also the emphasis on continual education and stuff too, which has been something that I've that passion, at least from a lot of clinicians I've been with, has been something that I hadn't really thought of, but now is something that I see is so important in the field and something that I will want to pursue as well. Another thing, too, I like that you were touching on with almost like the informal ways of mentoring, where instead of just being in the clinic and doing that stuff, having the opportunity with your mentors, taking you out to dinner, stuff like that. I do think is really cool. And I've been fortunate too, to have a lot of clinicians that I've met through the field. And like the one who actually got me into the field was old high school baseball coach who I had gone through the career path idea of wanting to go to medical school. Then he had me come follow him and shadow him because he thought I'd be really interested in the field. And obviously I was, cause how can you not be? But being able to have a relationship with a guy like that, who was a baseball coach, and then he's now I had a couple residency offers and I could just call him at eight at night and he'd just pick up his phone and be super excited to talk to me about it and do research, discuss what path and direction I wanted to go and what direction those opportunities would allow me to go was something that I thought was really cool. And it's a lot different than the typical mentor that I would thought of, I'd say, coming into the field. 
that's awesome. I'm really glad that you have him and we're able to get to your awesome residency right now, like up in Boston. And that's something that you kind of just touched on right here is that, you know, you can call anytime in the evening. You can bounce career paths and decisions off of that. I'm fortunate enough to have a relationship with my current mentee through the Academy Mentoring Program that he shot me a text a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, do you have time today? And call him back and just went over some possible residency opportunities. Exactly that same situation you were just chatting about. But my role isn't to tell him what to do. And I think that that's something a good mentor is going to do is to help present all options and look at it from all ways and not just say, no, you won't be successful. I mean, unless obviously it's a really bad idea. (laughs) As a general rule, just help them walk through the door themselves. Don't sit there and tell them which door they have to go through. And as a mentee, or when I've been a mentee, I just have to listen to all the advice and trust the person I'm speaking with is also speaking from experience. Even if I don't agree with them, it's good to have that viewpoint. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of opportunities at play when it comes to navigating a career in ONP, especially starting from the beginning and going through a residency and all through that. But how has mentorship, either in a role of you being a mentor or a mentee, impacted your journey so far? I have seen you have some pretty impressive accolades, like a, an MBA and a fellowship in front of your name. So I kind of wanted to touch on those and see how those sprung about and I don't know, did someone lead you down that path? Was that something you had discussed with people? How did that come about? So I like to say that I look great on paper, but I'm really just a very casual person. (laughs) So, But as far as an MBA, I actually got it during COVID through an online program. Once we started looking at career paths, I actually reached out to my dad who has an MBA. I'm very fortunate that my parents are both wonderful people. I would consider them my first mentors. And I know not everyone can say that about their parents. My mom for life choices and my dad for that, but also kind of watching his career as someone with an MBA who was in healthcare finance. And he actually has gone through his associations and has been incredibly involved and has been able to help change the field. To the point where next Tuesday, he's getting the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Healthcare Finance Management Association, which I am incredibly proud of, and I'm going to be there in person to cheer for him. But seeing him and the impact he was able to make on his field inspired me to do both. Because now, if I decided I didn't want to do the position I'm in right now, I'd have more options. I have more of those doors I was speaking of. And that can help me help patients in multiple ways. And then working with the academy, it's been amazing because you get to be a mentor. You get to, I'm on the fellow committee and helping inspire other people. I help out during academy meetings. It's just, there's so many opportunities when you become a fellow. And my shameless little plug is to go online and you can start right now building your resume towards becoming a fellow in the next couple of years. Start writing down everything you do and I'm looking forward to seeing the impact that you make on this field. But to also touch on the first part of that question, I'm sorry, I kind of got off topic a little bit. Going through a career in ONP, there's also other aspects, such as being a woman and trying to navigate kids. And I was able to reach out to other 
O&P professionals before I started my family and kind of knew what to expect because there's also a women in O&P community, both at the academy and then just organically throughout the field. I call it people in California, in Washington. I'm down in Virginia. You just call everybody to have those conversations on what can I do to balance family in this. So I've been both a mentee and a mentor in that aspect now that my kids are seven and 10, kind of helping younger women who are thinking of doing families and men too, sorry. But also I touched on in the beginning that your peers can be your mentor as well. So when I was looking in 2016, 2017 on making a shift from Chicago back to the East Coast, I called up my friend, Chris Robinson, who I was a resident with. So he wasn't this 20 year esteemed clinician that he is now, but he was just my buddy. And he's always been able to bounce ideas off of, and that's helpful. So I think you need to be able to shift between both being a mentor and a mentee at the drop of a hat. That was great. I appreciate it. Those some great answers. Yeah, it's funny, especially when you're talking about pediatrics. That is one cool thing that I didn't think of too, but I have seen, especially when working at least with Boston Orthotics and Prosthetics, where we are. Mm-hmm. That was definitely something initially, especially as being over six feet and 200 plus pounds, being a larger figure approaching very, very tiny children is definitely something that initially I was not the best at, but then I could reach out to similar clinicians or people who had the same issues and try to figure out how to go about that too. And it is funny. I know you mentioned previously, but almost when working with kids also being less formal and almost like, I would say silly and goofy, but yeah, silly and goofy. Learning, (laughs) it's definitely a lot different than traditional healthcare almost that I would say to where it took some getting used to, but I was really able to draw from a lot of clinicians who were in similar scenarios and learn how to do it. And then I got to watch how they went about interacting with kids and it's been great to learn. And I feel very confident with it now and excited to do it. It's always really fun. But another thing I want to touch on really cool. Congratulations to your dad. That's a very awesome achievement. It's Definitely really cool to have someone in your life who has achieved that success that you can look at and kind of see how they got there and mm. pick the brain as to how they got there. And that is something too that I've really tried to look at when being surrounded a couple of clinicians that I'm working with who I've seen have really successful outcomes that are pretty well known, at least in the field of scoliosis being able to follow them and see how they got there and see the way that they go about it. Being able to be with a successful clinician or successful clinicians and seeing the way that, like how they got there and the way that they go about patient care and also being able to see how many kids that they've helped. One, it motivates you to want to do the same, but two, it is something that's really nice to where you have that resource to see how they got there and be able to use their advice and critiques in the way to get there, which has been really nice. And it's really cool that it comes in the form of your dad, which makes it a lot more fun too. And it's gotta be really cool for you to look back and see as well. I'm very, very lucky. So, I mean, I've been doing my residency with the same company, but in the past I've volunteered and shadowed at a couple different clinics as well. And after seeing a when working with a bunch of different clinicians, I see different characteristics and all of them that I've been with. If you had to pick or draw from something, 
what would you consider to be some negative characteristics of a mentor? We kind of talked about some positive characteristics, but what would you think would be some negative ones? I think if you have a mentor who only gives you brief snatches of their time that are very sporadic, someone you can't count on, that's not someone I would look to as a mentor. Maybe as a great friend or an associate or something on those lines. I think knowing if you had a negative mentor is really just, you know, having your texts or something not responded to if they give you short answers or don't admit that they don't know something. So being able to have your mentor say, you know what, I haven't done that in a while. Let's look it up together or, you know, check that out, bring it back to me and we'll have a conversation about it and just continuing that education and not just either saying, well, this is the way I've always done it or not giving you enough time to discuss a topic appropriately. Mentors don't have to know everything. I mean, and if they pretend they do, that's a problem. <laughs> but being able to admit that you don't know something or to be able to help your mentee look for resources and just be there to assist them as they're developing these skills, again, whether they're clinical, technical, or just life skills is really important. And I just always wish that for all my mentees. So, yeah, hundred percent. I can definitely agree with what you discussed there too. At least with what I've seen, or at least been presented with. It's, I mean, it's got to be weird. I will say, and I've done it in the past with not in the field, but in the past with other questions that people have asked. It's never easy to admit that you don't know something, but especially for when someone who's looking up to you saying it, but at the same time, personally, I respect it a lot when someone who has 20 years on me in the field is able to say, I honestly don't know. But the fun thing is that they have probably 20 plus people that they can immediately reach out to that do know, which exactly. goes along the what you were talking about with having all these relationships that you formed in the past and just all these different friends and coworkers that you can reach out to and you know, have your back and it's, it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. You'll get there. Looking forward to Kind of like what you were saying earlier as well about learning from the younger generations as well, because, you know, I didn't go through the program that you went through and I would love to hear how you did something in school and how you can teach me and not just being closed-minded on learning new techniques because just because I've done something this way for 20 years doesn't mean it's the absolute best way for that patient. I say to my patients, there's textbook and then there's what works. So we're always thinking out of the box. You know, every single patient that you see during your residency is different. You're not giving the same brace to every single person. So I look forward to working with people from every phase of their career because you always learn something new if you're open to it. Yeah, 100%. To that extent, yeah, it is hilarious because probably I've learned six, like today I just fit a bob and for this, I learned the sixth different way now to make a crest roll pad. Like everyone does things a little differently. They can all get to the same end result, but it is really cool now, especially as a resident, being able to follow a multitude of clinicians who all have different backgrounds and have learned from a ton of different people as well to get immersed with all these different ways of doing it. And then now I can kind of pick and choose and go about what I think will work for me. It's really cool and it's a lot of fun. 
but it is funny. There's like you said, a lot of roundabout ways to get to the same answer in this field, which it took me a little while to understand and come to grips with, but it makes it a lot more fun, I will say, at work every day. So have you ever been in a situation where you personally outgrew a mentor or a mentee outgrew you? I'm sure that I have. I mean, I have people that I might not call up all the time, yet I know that if I had a specific question that they could help me out with, I could just pick up the phone or send an email and they would be right there to get either give me advice or connect with someone I'm trying to connect them with. I think that's what's excellent about our field is that we're large enough to have most of the answers, but we're small enough to really be able to help each other out. So it's a pretty intimate field, and I absolutely appreciate that. There are people that I might not call for advice all the time, the way I did back in my residency or earlier in my career. But again, it's nice to know that they have my back, as you said earlier. And I know there are mentees who don't call me anymore, but if they picked up the phone, I would be right there for them. Some of them I get to see at the academy meetings, and it's great catching up. Whether it's in the hallway or over a beer, it just depends on the relationship you develop, if it's more clinical based or if it's more of a friendship style relationship. So again, it's just being really open. I've had people come up to me that I didn't even realize they considered me a mentor <laughs> and kind of thank me for where they are in their career. And that was pretty awesome. Just knowing I can have an impact on someone. I kind of wish they told me at the time. But <laughs> again, it doesn't mean that they call me all the time, but I'm open to helping out anybody in the field. And again, I think that whether you're a mentor or not, I think a lot of people in our field really are open and accessible, which is, again, pretty amazing. Yeah, 100%. Two things from that. One, it is what you were talking about with the intimacy of the field. Immediately starting out, it's wild with how everyone almost knows everyone in a way, or they're like one person removed from everyone. It's really funny. I didn't really realize it until now as I'm starting to grow through it. But I, I do think in this field, more than a lot of other ones, it is easier to find those relationships as well. And more so too, then touching on your second point, we're lucky to be in a field where a lot of people or the majority of the field joined it to help others and not just with patients, but also, at least from what I've seen, the willingness to help the younger clinicians and the residents and the people who are coming up in the field, one, to help them and make them feel more comfortable, but two, because it is driven with the knowledge that you making them and helping mold a more successful clinician coming up is in turn going to provide better results for patients is the biggest thing is then it seems to be the driving force behind everything, I'd say. Well, as we kind of continue the conversation, what do you think you're going to be looking for in your next mentor? So I think for finding someone that would be right for me would be the biggest thing is finding someone that I'm comfortable coming to with any situation or any awkward situation, especially I have been presented with a few and that immediately triggers or sparks the idea with me of who I do consider to be those relationships already is starting out with not a whole lot of technical skills like I discussed. There's definitely been a few instances where I have either damaged braces when working out adjustments on accident, 
things like that where some people I may be a little nervous to tell them what happened as I may fear their reaction, but mm -hmm. some I feel very comfortable and I know they're going to say, that's how you learn. And I've been there. That's not going to be the last time. So the biggest thing is looking for those mentors who I do feel comfortable coming to with even just, like I said, kind of more awkward or maybe inopportune things, knowing that they're going to be comfortable with it and help me through that kind of stuff and talk me through it is a very huge thing. So, and I'm fortunate to have some clinicians at the office I work at right now who are that way. So I'll definitely continue to draw from them. And, you know, let them know. I will make sure to let them know. I've definitely, I've done it in the past for clinics I've gone through and have left now. So, because I definitely see the impact that that can have too. And I've gotten to see that also because I'm not doing it as much now that I'm working more, but I coached a lot of baseball back in Michigan. Mm -hmm. As soon as I got done playing in college, then I missed it. So obviously the next course of action is to coach, right? And seeing that and being able to mentor, I guess, the next generation of baseball players and being able to give a bunch of private lessons, stuff like that. I personally actually enjoyed coaching more than I did playing, which I thought was crazy. I never thought that would be the case. But being able to see you physically helping someone and them getting better and kind of the excitement that they get out of it too and the joy, it's more rewarding than yourself finding those successes which is really cool. And this is a field where you get a lot of those opportunities as a mentor, which is really cool. I fully agree. And it just, it reignites your passion when you know that you're motivating someone or helping someone. So when I say tell them, it's not because you want to give them tons of gratitude or worship them. It's really just help light their fire of being that educator again. Because when you know you have that impact, you always strive to do better with the next person you can help. So... Yeah, 100%. It's been really nice too with being able to see the impact that at least mentors I've drawn from now, the impact that they've had in my career already, being able to draw from those and know that I'm going to be able to be in that position in the future is really cool too. And I'm really looking forward to that. Like I said, I'm looking forward to you progressing your career. If you ever need anything, let me know. Perfect. What's the next time you're coming to Boston? Oh, I, I will absolutely call you up. Go Red Sox. All right. Thank you again so much, Chris, for joining the podcast and having this awesome discussion. I know I personally learned a lot from it. I really enjoyed getting to speak to someone who has this background and also has found success in the field. And it's really cool to hear all this. And I, I learned a lot. I, I thank you a lot for all your insight. And I know a lot of other people will as well. So... That was awesome. Thanks again for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation and for being able to just make other mentors and mentees hopefully reach out to people to be able to develop those relationships and not be too nervous. So thank you, Danny. Awesome. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of ONP Rising. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Join us each month as we continue our conversation with seasoned ONP professionals as they share candid insights and on topics relevant to those interested in starting on the right foot when it comes to a career in ONP. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for ONP professionals. 
the award-winning ONP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Gard and ONP Clinical Insiders with Academy Scientific Society's Chair, Seth O'Brien, a podcast created for conversations on specific areas of clinical care. For more information on the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists, visit us online at oandp.org. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.